I'm Slayer, formerly known as Rage Killer, and with me is my two great co-hosts, Nuo Owen and Scary Jersey Guy. Hey, what's going on, everybody? How are you there? Hello. And we have two awesome guest co-hosts, Mr. Swift. Howdy. And Ardwolf. Hello there. And we're here to talk about, first, the, the, the thing from another world. Is it human or inhuman? Earthly or unearthly? Baffling questions, astounding questions that not even the world's greatest scientific minds can answer. Gentlemen, do you realize what we've found? A being from another world as different from us as one pole from the other. Which came out in 1951. The one with the cap of the uh, cabbage Frankenstein uh, vampire monster. <laughs> <laughs> That's an accurate summary. Yeah. Um, Not sure. If I was simply mm. going to recommend the movie, I would say if you like 50 sci fi, definitely check it out. If you're not someone who's watched a lot of 50 sci fi and you're curious, then, well, yeah, give it a look, especially before watching Carpenters. I think Carpen Carpenters has uh, some fun little Easter eggs. Um, but then again, if for some reason you just don't like old sci fi, then I guess you can just go ahead directly to Carpenters and you'll be fine. But. I would say check it out. Um, uh, what would you say, Nuo? Well, um, as far as recommending it goes, <clears throat> I think it holds up surprisingly well given its age, the limitations on the technology, and what they were working with. Mm -hmm. It um, doesn't reek of old age as some films from this period do, though some of the characteristic filming styles and performative styles definitely fit with the decade. Um, start to finish, I found it to be a thoroughly enjoyable film that I would definitely recommend checking out. Jersey? Absolutely a recommend. I mean, this movie inspired so many careers to start off. I mean, if, if you're a John Carpenter fan, this is probably one of those, you know, movies that really highly influenced his style and made him want to become a film director. So, I mean, I'll, there, there's so many others that I could list, but, you know, off the top of my head, I really don't know. Just if you look at, you know, a lot of your favorite directors, this movie is probably what made them want to do it. Mm -hmm. And on top of that, it still does hold up really well. And, I mean, I've had people that are like, I knew that thing was behind the door, and it still scared the hell out of me when they opened it. And even in black and white, it still looks amazing. Like, the lighting and the camera angles are top-notch. Ardwolf? Well, I will say definitely, it's a really good recommend for a very good classic film. Um, while watching it, my experience was pretty much very pleasing getting to know the characters and as well as even seeing the creature for what it was. Um, and at the time of the era with what they had, again, it's 
a lot of early horror films were a- only able to do so much at the time, but you respecting the time and era that it was made, it was still really well made. And honestly, it's if anyone who loves classic films, definitely a he- like a highly recommended film for what it is. Um, and especially for people who love John Carpenter's work, I think of all things, I definitely would definitely recommend it for early viewings of what was possible in the in the time frame that it was made in. Swift? Uh, I think uh, the general opinion is unanimous. Uh, the film is fantastic for its time, despite its limitations and its um, practical effects, though all practical as it was uh, inevitable to happen by. The only thing that I would honestly say is held back by the film is the fact that they kind of still had to deal with the code of the era. They couldn't necessarily have major gore. They only kind of described it in person rather than having to show any of it. And even had certain little uh, religious drops every now and again when even though they found a literal alien that disrupts that entire train of thought entirely. So the fascinating sort of workaround they had done with all that. uh, And it came out surprisingly still watchable today. Right. I kind of feel like the thing from the world is underlooked, maybe because the Carpenter version, but usually when 50 sci-fi, I think, comes up, I don't really, I haven't heard a lot of the thing from the world being brought up. But again, I'm no expert in 50 sci-fi, but usually I hear about, like, the fly or the blob or Forbidden Planet or, you know, stuff like that. So I would say, you know, it's definitely a, a nice little piece of history worth checking out. But I guess we'll just jump into spoilers and talk about our favorite scenes, which I think we're all going to bring up the whole, shut the door! (laughs) You can't can't spoil the important door shutting of the movie. Of course not. Shut the door, bolt the door, above the door, every door. Yes. (laughs) Uh, One thing that surprised me about the film is the fact that you actually see the creature, you know, killing the huskies. I don't know. It seemed rather kind of shocking for a 50s sci-fi film. I do agree. It was it, it was pretty interesting for a time of a film like that. I mean, a lot of other films uh, specifically were, and again, like still terrifying in a sense, but wasn't really as brutal as shown as like an actual being really just throwing around dogs and killing them. And even the part of being that there was it sucked out their blood and all that. It was just it was very interesting, and it's it's pretty wild for what it was at the time, right. Uh, Arwolf, what is your favorite scene in the movie, or scenes, or moments? So, I will say my favorite moments was when the monster does show up a couple times. I also love the fact, and this is something I kind of get a lot of interesting sci-fi vibes from, too, is the fact that they they used a Geiger counter um, a couple times showing when the monster was getting close, which kind of gave me the feelings of, like, this gives me the familiar... uh, It's familiar to, like, Alien or Aliens, being that the fact that the creatures are getting the creatures getting closer, um, and I, I think that was definitely really interesting because it's just kind of like oh the lights when it's it's slowly dimming oh, kind of showing up a little and then it starts getting faster and faster until the creature it does come through the door and so moments like that was like it was pretty exciting especially to see like how the female characters in there too were also just even though they were just minor side characters it was like. Like, still, I mean, it's still pretty wild as for what it was showing every time the monster was just kind of attacking and everything. And 
and all. It, it's always was kind of exciting in those moments. Right, right. Uh, Nuo? Um, well, first and foremost, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention the kerosene ignition scene. I thought it was a pretty astonishingly done scene for the time period, and I imagine it was pretty dreadfully dangerous to execute with the limitations and technology at the time, implying that the characters were in the same setting as an accelerant that was being splashed. And then another thing that I would say is a uh, kind of a, it's a series of scenes, but the romantic and sexual dynamics between Hendry and I'm completely spacing on her name right now. Nikki Nicholson, I believe her character's name is. Um, the way it's portrayed was surprisingly adult for the time period. Mm -hmm. Talking about his history of being a lech, her talking about, well, I wouldn't say being sexually promiscuous, but acting in a way that is promiscuous would kind of typically in the time period cast her as an antagonist or negative character but it's not necessarily followed through in the manner that would be traditional for the time period. Hmm. Uh, Swift? Yeah, no, I'd have to follow uh, suit with a similar opinion. The fire scene was fantastic, given the fact that they probably went through a couple of different hazards in the process. And it's worth mentioning how unconventional the film is for the era given how even before there's a threat for some reason the um the lovers quarrel was having a the uh, male protagonist tied up in a chair just for funsies while she prances about him giving him different questions yeah uh, the tone of that whole scene was fascinating to watch uh for something that comes out of left field they just disappear <laughs> into the room and then all of a sudden uh, apparently it's a short run bdsm film for a hot minute it was, uh yeah something else yeah this movie seemed to like kind of push the envelope in a bit for a 50s kind of sci-fi film huh which is fascinating uh jersey gotta say the fire seems to it was to me it, it was just something that i don't think anybody had ever really done before and it was the perfect build-up you had that tension going on of you know mentioned before with the geiger counter very reminiscent of alien aliens with the motion trackers going off so they did mm -hmm. a wonderful job just building up that tension and then the payoff that happened couldn't have gone better i mean it was amazing stunt work for the time especially for the poor bastard that had to wear the asbestos suit <laughs> You know, mm -hmm. and then, <laughs> yeah, that that had to be probably the most exciting and maybe the best shot part of the whole movie. I got to echo some things because of what he said. Yeah, the fire scene was awesome. Um, the concept of the creature was was cool. It was definitely not a bad little little sci-fi film out of the fifties. And I will agree. Like the fire scene was honestly just uh, now that you had mentioned about that, bringing it back up, it was it's a pretty close call for the actors to have to actually be around near like actual fucking fire that it like just just that scene entirely was pretty sure was fucking pretty much dangerous but definitely much uh definitely different for a horror film at the time as well that's something well that was pretty interesting to me right right see so we all like the fire scene Yes, fire, 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 fire. How can you argue with fire? It's friggin' fire. Well, for 1950, it was 
I, I don't know any other movie that really did anything like that, where you actually had someone, you know, boot a door open, get set on fire, you know, take a swipe at someone holding a mattress, and then you see the whole set going up pretty quick, you know, but it's just, to me, I think that scene was so amazing, and and just everything was masterfully shot, and I mean, when you really look at, like, the technical side of things, with the stunt work, the lighting, you know, yeah. and I mean, it's like, why yeah. did they turn off the lights? Because it made the scene all that more effective. Just a lot of thought went into this, and you couldn't have asked for a better payoff. Right. A small note. I had a slight fan theory that Nikki Nicholson, they might have gone through two of them, because on closer examination of that fire scene, it's really evident how... I'm not sure they exactly knew what they were getting into in that take, because she's standing in the corner holding up the pillow... And as far as what I know happened in the film, I'm really glad they swapped her out for a rope pulling the mattress up and down because her entire corner gets engulfed in fire when he splashes the monster. And when I first saw it, I thought that the next scene was going to be that she had burned. Hmm. It was just a really, uh, there was a lot of tension. And I guess that's what's so surprising about it. Yeah, no kidding. Enough attention to distract me from never noticing that the mattress was being pulled up and down by a damn rope? Well, you can't see the rope, but the, it's flat against the wall. How did I miss that? I, I mean, granted, there was a guy on fire parading through the middle of the scene, so I guess it's kind of hard looking at the corners, but yeah. Mm -hmm. oh. Kudos. I'd have to say another favorite scene of mine would have to be the... Um... The electrocution scene at the end, that was another scene that was shot really well. Yeah. And, I mean, we've seen electricity flowing throughout movies before, but this was actually played really well. And, um, you know, James Arness, who apparently was so embarrassed by this role that he didn't even show up for the premiere, I think he did an amazing job. Mm. And the tension buildup was really good, especially when it's like, okay, they got him now. And then, you know, you had that idiot professor run up, and he got smacked aside. Then they mm -hmm. had to do the trick with the pitchfork, you know, to get him to jump onto the wood paneling. And then apparently they did a switcheroo where you had James Arness getting electrocuted, and then it got somehow switched over at some point to a much smaller person dressed up like him to still kind of simulate the movement and everything of it happening. It, it, wow. was, a, it was a bit of a special effects marvel for the time, you know? Absolutely. Definitely. The electrocution scene definitely was pretty wild. I mean, to see that, you know, they were actually using a, a bit of the effects that they had at the time and to see the character, like, turn to ashes and, and just, like, right there instantly from just being fried by electricity, that was honestly just pretty wild. And for a film at the time, I mean, you're very limited. With some, too. Yeah, even the budget. I mean, so much of that scene just shows that even – like even some of the most practical effects is why I'm why I still think practical effects should still be used in most common films of today because they still do better than what is now what we got. Um, which mm -hmm. we'll be getting to that once we get into watch uh, into the 1982 John Carpenter's film as well. Mm -hmm. But again, the time, the era, the budget, it it really is impressive for what they were able to do. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. All right, now here's a question for everybody. Who is Red Who Goes There? I have not. Nope. Uh, I have not. I know the cursory knowledge of it, but no, I have not. I know it's the, definitely I... worth a read. Hmm. 
this is just a book that I, you know, grew up with. And for a book that came out in like what the late thirties, I think at least it came out in like 1937, 1938. This was a scary fucking book. And it, it pretty much, sticks to the same formula that Carpenter's version did with the shape-shifting creature. And mm. it's not as long as you figure it would be, but you just have to think back for that time period. It's like with The Simpsons, where, you know, Lisa said, I guess people were easier to scare back in 1835 with the Raven, you know? <laughs> but this is what the um, this movie was based off of, and they had to st- drop the whole shape-shifting thing because of the budget and because they couldn't pull it off. And it's just, it's definitely worth a read if you're in the books. That's definitely would be something I would definitely like to take a look at. Because um, I know with a lot of books, usually they have so much more in-depth into the story of, of what they have there specifically. Films being that they're, you know, while they still try to follow suits, while they try to follow along the same uh, same pages of what they had in mind, books always mm-hmm. have a bit of a better story about what, they're doing and how they're telling it It, while as a film you're limited to what it's what you're able to do within the hours that's possible in Mm -hmm. yeah books can have details you could read for days movies have to be a hour long so you have to cram everything in as much as you can yeah otherwise i mean if you want to make it the law a really long film to tell more of the story or like you're talking about like trying to put in as much as you can from like something like the lord of the rings or something but again budget timing everything really has to be done in one shot so it's like Mm. you gotta work with what you got and tell it the best way you can right right yeah what one big difference i do remember from the book that didn't wind up in either of the versions is the fact that the thing is telepathic oh that's interesting that's right it was able to read minds and it was able to suggest thoughts and i think that was an idea that they kind of touched upon in the original when we watched it again i didn't remember that before but i but it did stick out to me now where they're like what if this thing can read minds that was something from the book as well but it's more in tune with the um carpenter version because you had the characters of copper and gary and mccready and all them and you know what that's something else that i i wanted to bring up as well now that we're on it one issue that i kind of had with the original I mean, it, for the first time, it was fine. But there's a lot of people in this movie. Mm. And there's a lot of people I, in this movie that we don't know. There's a lot, you know, it's just like a, a lot of no-name. But when you look at Carpenter's version, we know everybody. Copper, Windows, Null, you, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I actually agree because with the amount of people at this base, it's like, gosh, you got you got so many people here. It's like... Honestly, it's surprising that that they didn't all like, in a sense, try to gang up on him, but in, in a way like that. But um, it, it's really wild to me with just how many characters are in the film, and yet some of them were just either side or background characters, and only focus on some of the ones that were there, and and, and can be easily. It, that was kind of the issue I would have to say about the thing from another world was that some of the characters can be easily forgotten. And that was something I kind of felt with when I was watching. It was like, like I know some of the characters a little, but not all of them because they're 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 not really playing a major role. They're just playing as what they're able to do at the time. Yeah, curse of a fifties film. Plenty of dialogue, not enough character development. Hmm. Yes, 
if there was another now, thing. I might, I, oh, sorry, go I, ahead. I might be um, uh, remembering something wrong here, but with the fire scene, didn't the door that that thing broke through, wasn't the room that he came from full of other people? What happened to them? So there was actually another room in the, uh, in the other side that I did see in that scene. There were people in that room, but then yeah. it was like, oh, the thing's coming through the door. So they're like, okay, we're going to blockade that door that leads to, like, I think, uh, like, one of the, I guess, the mess hall or something. I don't know specifically. But just lock down this room specifically in that in that part of the scene. But that's what I remember seeing in that part was that there were people in the other room. And then there was the main room where the thing broke the door down. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's, it's a little odd. And it kind of really kind of throws off the amount of people that were in that base or in the film specifically. So it's like, it's definitely a little bit jarring on that part. Hmm. If you're gonna if you're gonna keep something in a block of ice, don't throw a heated blanket over something that it, and not even checking to make sure the blanket is heated. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Also, well, it, in the fifties, blocks example. of ice were weightless too. <laughs> yeah, I mean. For something that heavy to just carry and put into into the, like the basement of the facility, it's like, man. I mean, hell, if they're able to lift a block of ice that big and heavy, shit, they, they were. were I lifting. mean, it, it, it's it's somewhat wild, but it's in a way it could be po It's possible in a sense. It could be maybe. <laughs> now, did anybody pick up on any of like the total patriotism thing going on with the movie? Oh. Yeah, leave it up to the yeah. Americans to sort it all out. Definitely the 50s. So, I was about to say, if it isn't yeah. some sort of allegory for the Red Scare, then color me surprised. Yeah, it was. It definitely had a lot, a bit of armed forces in it. And I think that's what was pretty interesting was like, oh, this is like if the thing had military characters. And in, in a sense, that, would, that was kind of what it was, what it was like. I mean, they had guns, they had everything. And then these were people from the Air Force. Um, so it was like, oh, they've got professionals who know their shit. But again, era of the time, completely different. Um, so it, it definitely was interesting that they had military characters in there. And scientists. And scientists, too, who really want to involve more of science over defeating a monster. <laughs> Well, you got to remember, this was what five, six years after they dropped the bomb on Hiroshima. So, it, it, it there, there was mm. a very anti-science thing going on at that point because this is, you know, and it was very evident with that main doctor. I can't remember what his name was, but I mean that's that that's the whole point about how you just have so many characters and you can't remember who the hell they are. You know this mm. lady. You know what her name is, and it, is that her name? You know, it's just there's so many of them. But with that yeah. doctor, it was the very same thing of you're screwing with something that you really shouldn't screw with and you should be doing something common sense. Instead of trying to study it, you know it's a threat, take it out. You know, mm. so if who you know, of course, who does it? The American good looking captain, you know? Oh yes. yeah. <laughs> mm. I will say that one of my one of the most interesting scenes as well, and I think that with the incorporation of what they were able to do at the time as well was the part of showing like of um, where they were saying how the seeds came from just the hand of the thing, and that they had planted it, they had 
the scientists put blood in it and you see that the plants are grown and you see that they're like pulsating i felt that was a pretty interesting scene too to, to kind of show like about the little creature about what is possible with with right. these little uh things and, and everything so it's like i feel like that in some way it was a type of incorporation of the of the thing from on the like of the thing basically based off of the who goes there book um in mm. a sense but again being that this is a like a vegetable type of creature that feeds on blood honestly Wasn't the oh, 50s invasion of the body snatchers also like plant-based clones or something like that yes it was mm -hmm. the pod so, people the yeah. pod people and, and that's kind of what this is somewhat similar to but not fully but in a similar way with the pods yes right right i think in in any way like that's it, it definitely kind of gets gives those vibes but it, hey Honestly, it's it's again one of the things I liked about this film was that it was kind of one of the things that kind of hallmarked a lot of interesting and creative ideas for what filmmakers can do with these ideas. Like, who knows if someone came up with the idea of the motion tracker from the thing based off of the um god damn it, I forgot what they call it, but <laughs> the Geiger um, counter? The Geiger the Geiger counter, yeah. Specifically that was like that. That definitely gave me the vibe of Alien, and I can see where someone, if they had the same idea, they can incorporate that into a and like into like a yeah. modern horror well, film. Those directors, I, you know, grew up watching fifty sci-fi films, and then they kind of pioneered the eighties sort of sci-fi kind of horror film. So it all it all goes back. Well, it really wouldn't surprise me if Ridley Scott was inspired by this film either, because mm -hmm. I mean, once again, Alien, Aliens. We obviously right, know right. Carpenter had something to do with it. Uh, right. Something else I want to give this film a bit of a credit for is just its ability to work off your imagination and make do with what you got. Because what was one of the scarier parts about this to me was is when they were describing how those other guys were killed and how they were hanging in the gardens yeah. and they were drained of their blood. You know, oh, so yeah. that immediately jumps into your imagination. And, you know, you can't show blood back then. But you can talk about it, or lack thereof, yeah. for this particular case. You know, so that makes you imagine it, and that's what makes things all the more terrifying for you. Honestly, that was really something I was really surprised about, was about the fact that they actually would described it. And I envisioned that idea of, like, bodies hanging mm. from the room, blood dripping to the ground, possible seed podlings getting fed by the blood. Honestly, Which is the exact really... opposite of what you end up seeing in the, the 80s thing which is a special effects extravaganza <laughs> yeah it's like oh you, you know they got the blood in these vials but you can't really tell it's blood they could just be like oh it could be anything mm -hmm. you know but they do describe it as blood um I, I i still think in a way it's it's pretty wild for 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 what they had described it through in voice and the imagination process of what you can interpret from that is so neat for that for that time right right either way great movie yeah yeah definitely yeah. if anything a film like that definitely is something that is to be treasured and i think in a sense it's to be looked at i i think mm -hmm. if anyone who loves the john carpenter's film hey if you're willing to look at something that's a little bit old and not something with the you know not what most people would expect as a horror film nowadays, but 
to respect it in the time and era it was made, I think it's definitely a really strong film for for what they were envisioning at the time. Well, I definitely encourage people that haven't seen older horror movies to check movies like this Mm -hmm. out because, you know, in this day and age, it's like you you get everything. Everybody with a fucking camera is a filmmaker now. Yeah. And, you know, they're not regulated by the MPAA. And it's not so much saying, yeah, watch this for the love of the craft. Watch this for the love of the story. Mm. Because I'm finding myself appreciating movies from way back then, so much more than I am with movies today. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I can't sit and watch the Saw movies. I don't really give a shit about them. And I can't really sit and watch, like, the Hostel movies. I don't give a shit about them. Mm. You know, it's just, okay, cool, gore, I get I was gonna it. Make, I was going to make that point. Uh, yeah, it's like uh, overexposure because, uh, you know, you get we, can do, we can do CG and everything. We do every camera angle possible, but it's like, so what's kind of cool with older films is when something horrific is explained or they you have to be extra creative i'll give an example of john uh, james cameron's uh, aliens um apparently he um when he was making it he wanted more money to do more stuff with it but if i watch aliens i think it's perfect i think uh i think sometimes it's uh it's actually good to work within limitations and if you're creative enough you can do something cool uh be it on a low budget or not having the tech I think in a lot of ways we become so spoiled and overstimulated that, uh, you know, it's kind of like, eh, it becomes kind of dull. I think that's the problem when uh, you have, like, Jurassic Park and then you go watch Jurassic World, you know? It's yeah. just, like, it's, it doesn't have that same appeal. Well, it, it translates over to everything. I mean, look at um, look at video games now. Mm-hmm. What's what's something that people are bitching about hardcore today resident evil 3 saying it's a really short game mm. and i'm like it's mm-hmm. the same length as the original yeah but we're paying full price for a four and a half hour game i paid full price for a four and a half hour game when i bought the original so if i was going to sum up the think one of the world i would say shut the damn door <laughs> and uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah shut the door yeah and it closed the door on the thing. It's a good movie.
so 